Welcome back to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Please welcome our special guests out of WRGT Fox 45 and WKEF ABC 22, sports reporter for Dayton's 24-7 now, Andre Johnson Jr. We'll find out about Andre and how he wound up in the Dayton sports community. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Hi, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, here to talk about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting sindaypod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrika from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. And on the phone is Andre Johnson. Andre, how are you today? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for being a part of my podcast. And you're still the only one that I've known that actually comes out and, you know, does segments on the Dayton flight. So I, I definitely want you a part <laughs> of this podcast. Oh, no problem at all. And, you know, that, that's the stuff I love getting to, man, that local, that community stuff. I even take pride in going to the things where not everybody is able to go to. I want to be there. And I definitely appreciate that as well, just because, you know, there's a lot of great sports here in Dayton. As you know, you've been up in Dayton for quite some time now. Right. So let's begin the episode. Where are you from? Well, I'm actually from New Orleans. I grew up in New Orleans area. And then I moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is about an hour away from New Orleans for college. Stayed in Baton Rouge at Southern University for four years in college. Then I graduated and I just kind of stayed in the BR area. You know, I ended up working for a TV station out there as a news producer. You know, eventually, initially it didn't actually have anything to do with sports. I was a news producer for three years. And then in the last of those three years, that's when I really started to focus in on sports and try to transition over to this side. So how did you wind up in Dayton from Baton Rouge? Well, you know, it was, it was definitely a long process, you know, during That last year that I mentioned where I kind of started to make that transition to sports, I was, you know, producing news from Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, I started producing our Friday night football sports show at that station. Then on Saturday, I would go out and cover college football. Then on Sunday, I would cover NFL football. You know, we'd go down to New Orleans and I would help them cover them. So I was literally working from Sunday to Sunday, pretty much no days off, just trying to learn everything I could with sports, how to cover it, how to master my delivery, how to do the right research, you know, how to tell stories and how to shoot sports, you know, all of that. And that eventually led me to this position in Dayton. 
And I mean, that that couldn't have been an easy grind. I mean, you said work Sunday to Sunday, no days off. You're in the news and then you go into sports. I mean, that had to have been tough to do that. Absolutely. And then you got to think about the time in which it was happening, too, because my contract, I, I thought when my contract as a producer ran out, I was pretty much going to walk into a sports job. That was my plan. Mm-hmm. But. COVID-19 had other plans because essentially right when my contract ran out, COVID hit. When COVID hit, all the sports pretty much got canceled. So a lot of sports departments kind of went into a hiring freeze. So I was like, well, my contract's up here, but no one's really hiring. So I can't really go anywhere either. And who would have thought that we wouldn't have sports? I mean, when COVID-19 hit, who thought we'd have a shutdown like that? Nobody, man. That was so out of left field. Like, I know a lot of us really hadn't seen anything like that. So just as the news started dropping, like, I remember being in our newsroom and next thing you know, you know, it's SEC because, you know, being in Louisiana, it's all about the SEC. So the SEC tournament's canceled. Oh, man, it's looking like March Madness is canceled. The NBA is stopping their season. Uh, You know, no more baseball. That's not going to happen. And it just all kind of happened at once. It was a bad snowball, too. It's just like, you know, one thing stops. The other thing stops up here in Dayton. I mean, the I believe the Flyers got a chance. Yeah, the Flyers did get a chance to cut down the nets as A-10 champs, but just right. no no big dance for them. And that's a shame. We'll never know how good that team could have been in the big dance. And it's just, man, you never would have, you never thought that something like that would happen. Exactly. And I don't know if Flyers fans are ever going to get over that season because, I mean, you had the national player of the year here. You had Obi Toppin, a guy who's about to do big things in New York this season. And it's like, man, the number three team in the nation, that could have been a special season that the city of Dayton will never forget. And unfortunately, we'll never know how that would have ended. You know, I don't blame Flyers fans for that. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's part of history, but at the same time, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I just... Man, that team could have done some great things, too. And I love seeing Opie Toppin with New York, especially last year. It seemed like he was getting more playing time and he's playing better as, you know, the season went on. So, but absolutely with your trip up to Dayton, what were some of the challenges of bringing yourself to Southwest Ohio? Well, I got to get to the first two. Number one, the weather, man. This weather. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I came in the fall. And you know, fall in Louisiana, it's still going to be about 70, 80 degrees all the time. Mm -hmm. And even in the winter, you know, a a cold winter day in Louisiana is like 31 degrees. But I'm coming here, man. I had seen snow maybe once in my life ever. And it wasn't (laughs) like a real snow. Here, it's it snows all the time, and it was really cool the first time, but, like, all the times <laughs> after that, I could have missed out on the snow. So, yeah, the weather definitely just having to cover football games in 22-degree heat, or mm. there's really no heat when it's 22 degrees. Like, that was the challenge. And then coming from Louisiana, the New Orleans area, the food. You know, you don't – you underestimate – Things like crawfish etouffee, gumbo, beignets, red beans and rice, crawfish, king cakes, you know, things that you just grow up around. So that's normal to you. And then you get somewhere else and you're like, 
well, what do you mean I can't go down the street and grab me some boudin balls or some crawfish etouffee? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I don't really realize. I mean, you know, you got great food in New Orleans and Baton Rouge area and up here. I mean, we got our selection of great food, but it's it's not the same. So, but there's got to be somewhere around here that has some good food like that, though, right? You know, I've tried. I've looked and I have found some, you know, some places that have impressed me, but I've really had to start cooking. You know, I, mm. I've cooked a lot more coming here because, like, there's a specific way you want it made. And if you want it done that way, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. I mean, hey, I mean, it's also a great skill to have as well. So exactly. Hats off to that. So you mentioned how you got into sports in Baton Rouge, like you would uh, after you'd done your news uh, producing job, you would step in. But when was the first time you really knew, hey, sports, I want to work in them? The first time I knew that way before I got into college, that would actually be in high school, maybe even as early as middle school, you know, where I would do nothing at nights, but I would watch, you know, a bunch of games. And then I would go to school and argue with my friends all day about what I had seen, you know, <laughs> and all we would do is just sports arguments and, you know, talk about this team. Can they do this? Why this player is better than that player? Did you see what so-and-so did? And like, it got to a point where I realized that like, I'm going to talk sports all day regardless. So is there a way I can talk sports and get paid to do that? And I, I like journalism, that. that was the way. I like that. I really like that. So what do you currently cover for Dayton 24-7 now? Everything. Football, basketball, baseball. I've done ice hockey, which is new because we don't really have ice hockey in Louisiana. <laughs> I've done lacrosse. I've done soccer. I try to hit as many sports as I can. You know, obviously the Dayton Flyers, Wright State Raiders, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buckeyes, the Bearcats, Wilberforce, Central State. You know, the we talked about the Dayton flight earlier and the TBL. The TBT, the basketball tournament, is coming up in July. So I try to get to as much as I possibly can. And like I said, you're the only media guy that I see at the flight. So it's always great seeing you there. And I tell you, two years, um, most of that at Wilberforce, I, I like what the flight are doing. And I, I really hope that more fans start to come on out to Wilberforce to check them out. Absolutely, because they it's a very entertaining brand of basketball. And, you know, the flight the first year that I came here, they were coming off a season where they were one of the worst in the entire basketball league. Mm -hmm. And then I covered them for that first year that I'm here and they go to the playoffs, you know, and they they had their ups and downs this season. But that's a team that's going to get up and down the court. They're going to throw some insane dunks down every single night. And they really have some talented basketball players. And like you said, just. I want to see more fans be able to come out to something like that. And because I really think that's a brand of basketball that the fans would enjoy. I will say stepping away from college and high school basketball, then going into the basketball league, there's some um, um, little things about the rules. It's like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> right. oh, oh no. Why did I forget that? But uh, <laughs> it, it is really entertaining and hopefully, you know, Fourth year's the charm, and I really like their head coach, Gary Armstrong. He's a smart man. He's a good man, and I think he's the right guy to lead the flight. 
Absolutely. I love every time I get to talk to Coach Armstrong. You know, he's just he's a leader of men. And it's hard to be in his position because you've got a lot of guys who don't really know each other coming from literally different corners of the world. A lot of these guys are playing internationally. So you're bringing together a guy, a group of guys. A lot of them have their own motivations. They're from different places. They all have different heights they want to reach. They may be playing different styles of basketball to where they're from. And you're bringing them all together and in a short period of time, trying to gel them into a winning team. And I think it's a crime too. the basketball league had a couple times on their Facebook page. The well, the most well-dressed coaches in the league and Gary Armstrong was never one of them. He's got oh, a, yeah, suit. he's got a red suit jacket with the flight logo on it. He's classy. Every saying. time he throws that awesome red blazer. I mean, yeah. I don't know if there's as many coats as drippy as that. No, I I mean, no offense to Anthony Grant or Scott Nagy, but I don't think they have customized sports jackets with their school logo on it. But I they, don't think they do. I've never seen it. But then again, you know, hey, that's all right, too. They're good coaches on their own. But <laughs> yeah, let me ask you this. Um, when you said you were starting to get into sports in Baton Rouge, you mentioned, you know, you had high school football, college football, and then professional football. It's almost like up here, except, you know, a lot colder weather. I mean, you got great <laughs> high school football in the uh, Dayton area, and then you got Ohio State, of course, but other great college football programs in the area, like the Dayton Flyers, and then you got the Bengals. I mean, last year was so magical, and I think they're, they can repeat. It's going to be a tough AFC, but I think they can repeat. So my big question is, outside the weather, what's some of the big differences on the sports scenes from Baton Rouge to Dayton? Honestly, there's a lot of similarities, you know, and coming to Ohio, I've never been to Ohio before I came here. I didn't know how big football culture was up here because, you know, in Louisiana, that football is everything. Mm -hmm. And then coming to Ohio, it's like, yeah, you know, they get down when it comes to football up here as well. You know, the LSU experience, I went to Columbus, the Ohio State experience, they're very similar. You know, I, I'm always going to be a little partial to the LSU experience because so, there's just something about Dead Valley as, at night. But they're very similar. You know, you've got a lot of top athletes. I've covered, I mean, some of the best athletes in Ohio in the last two years. And I've seen some of the best athletes in Louisiana. They're all talented. You know, looking at the parallels between, say, an LSU and an Ohio State, looking at the parallels between a New Orleans Saints and the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, it's more similar than I thought when I came here. And, you know, I, I know you have to be excited to see Cincinnati visit New Orleans oh, yeah. this year. <laughs> and what, what the shame was, it was almost a game in London. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking with that. I promise you, Joe Burrow stepping into that Superdome, the building where he won a national championship. There is no New Orleans Saints who will get cheered louder than Joe Burrow when he steps onto that field. Absolutely. I mean, and he deserves it too. I mean, winning how he won the national championship that year, just pure dominance. And it was great to see. And I'm glad he's our quarterback for the Bengals. So definitely that's going to be fun. And I suspect they're going to sell that building over twice over. So it's going to be like a double sellout or something like that. But it's, that one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Because you've got Jamar Chase, who's also from the New Orleans area. He's coming home. He was on that dominant LSU team. And, mm -hmm. you know, even though Baton Rouge is an hour away from New Orleans, but you can't tell when you look at the fandom down there, like 
New people in New Orleans are LSU fans. People in LSU are New Orleans fans when it comes to the Saints and the Pelicans. Like that is one fan base as far as anybody down there is concerned. So when Joe Burrow comes home, because you know, from Louisiana, we know he's from Oakland, Ohio. We know he went to Ohio State for a little bit. But if you ask anybody in Louisiana, Joe Burrow was ours, you know. No, I mean he was only there for two years, but hey, we we claim Joe Burrow in Louisiana. So him coming home quote-unquote, is going to be incredible. And as a guy that's not a Buckeye fan up here, you guys are rightfully right to claim Joe Pearl because he didn't play at Ohio State. He was on the bench. And when he was at LSU, he really bloomed. I'm not saying he didn't learn stuff at Ohio State, but it's just Burrow didn't become a household name until that year at LSU when he won the championship. And you mentioned Jamar Chase, Oh, uh, who else is there? There's Thaddeus Moss. Justin and Jefferson, Thad yeah. Moss, just Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It was the perfect storm with that team. They had so much NFL talent. Coach Ed Orgeron was the perfect motivator for that team. And, I mean, it was supposed to happen. You have that much NFL talent on one field led by a motivator like Coach O, led by a quarterback like Joe Burrow. You're supposed to win. I was a little sad when LSU let him go. And... What do you think of Brian Kelly being the LSU coach? <laughs> Other than that fake Southern accent that he put on when he first came, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're hopeful for Brian Kelly. You know, from a personality perspective, you will never find a coach that fit LSU and Louisiana more than Coach O. But the reality is, in the SEC and especially at LSU, it's about winning. And if you can't win and if you can't put your team in a consistent position to be able to win that national championship, they're going to move on. You know, they moved on from Les Miles to go to Coach O. Coach O won the championship, but we kind of started to have a lull. And they're not going to settle for a lull in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're going to bring in the next big guy. And now that's Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly helped us recruit a really good quarterback, you know, and quarterback outside of Joe Burrow has been the issue throughout the years at LSU, being able to find a consistent top-tier quarterback. So we're hoping that Brian Kelly can continue to come in and bring in the playmakers. You know, we like to claim DBU at LSU to bring in those solid secondary players, to bring in those wide receivers that we've seen throughout the recent years, and to also bring in that quarterback and to be that leader on the field that can get LSU back into that championship picture. And I'm just thinking, too, what if USC actually named uh, Orgeron their head coach instead of uh, Clay Helton? And if he sticks at USC, I mean, LSU still has that talent, I assume. But would they win the title without Coach O? I, I don't know. I think they definitely could, because like you said, the talent is there. You know, mm-hmm. Coach Ogeron did a phenomenal job when he was here. But Coach Ogeron had not only an all-star cast of players, but he had some incredible coaches, too. You know, mm-hmm. Joe Brady, who was just the passing game coordinator, went on to the Carolina Panthers to be the offensive coordinator over there. You had Steve Ensminger. You had just the defensive coordinator. Aranda was over there. It was just an incredible cast of talent from the coaching tree all the way down to the players. So we already asked about the differences between Baton Rouge and Dayton sports scene. What's been some of your most rewarding points in your career at Baton Rouge and here in Dayton? Uh, God has blessed me to be able to cover some incredible teams. And I've got to say that's the most rewarding part of it is covering these teams. You know, being in Baton Rouge when LSU went on that national championship run. Then the first year I get here, 
we're mid-COVID, but Ohio State went to the national championship game. Then the next year, which was this past season, the Cincinnati Bengals go to the Super Bowl for the first time in over 30 years. And then on the college scene, you know, being able to watch the Wright State Raiders. I watched the women of Wright State win their first NCAA tournament game ever last season. I watched the men of Wright State win their first NCAA tournament game ever this past season. You know, and just being able to watch the Dayton Flyers, that young group that came in last year, just full of freshmen and sophomores, and really get that UD Arena experience. Because everybody used to say, you know, hey, UD Arena, UD Arena's this. The first year I was here, they didn't really have fans in UD Arena, so I didn't get to see it. But seeing them sell out 13,000 every home game in UD Arena, being able to really get to know a lot of these athletes, being able to covered Cincinnati Bengals in their most successful season in decades. Like that's the most rewarding part is just being on the field, being on the court for a lot of moments that could really go down in history. Thanks COVID for making UD arena the most quiet it's probably ever been. (laughs) Man, I just, that always impresses me about the flyers faithful. Just they'll show up no matter what the game is. They could have an sec team in town or they could have, you know, Someone that's a bye game and probably won't be the greatest game out there, but still they they show up and you know there's a lot of love from me for those flyer faithful just because how passionate they really are. So I always I always enjoy that with you. Oh yeah, it was phenomenal. Like because coming coming from LSU, we're very SEC minded. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know I, everybody's telling me like. Yeah, you know, even down in Louisiana, you've never seen anything like this. And, you know, I've gone to LSU basketball games and, I, you know, they're, they're pretty impressive. But I got to say they were right. I have never been in an environment like basketball at home at UD Arena. And I'm not just talking about VCU, St. Louis, Davidson. They're selling out for Lipscomb, Austin mm-hmm. P, UIC like Alabama A&M, like it doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter who they're playing. That arena is packed and it is crazy. Absolutely. There's a big uh, hat tip to the Flyer faithful. They definitely deserve it. Now let's talk about your career here in Dayton so far. What's been your favorite story you've gotten to cover? My favorite story that I've gotten to cover, I've got a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's two that come to mind. The first one is the story of a young lady named Jaya Patillo. I met Jaya when she was 11 years old. And I believe at that point she was already like a 12 time junior Olympian. And just being able to meet someone so young, so talented, so humble and just a really sweet young lady. Like in this girl, she went viral because she ran like 17 miles an hour on a treadmill, which is unheard of from somebody her age. And then she'll go to like track meets at colleges, race against college kids, and she will burn the entire field. I actually raced against her myself because I needed to see that speed like in <laughs> real life. And I promise you, she is that fast. So being able to talk to her, learn her story, learn how, you know, she, she loves the track. She loves running, but she has other dreams outside of that. Just being able to meet somebody like that was great. And, um, at my first ice hockey story, cause I told you, you know, we really don't have ice hockey in Louisiana. So I covered a club ice hockey team who, you know, is 
full of a lot of kids who go to high school, but they don't have ice hockey teams at their schools. Yeah. So being able to go to their practice, talk to the players, talk to the coaches. It was just a phenomenal group of guys. They had a lot of wild personalities and they actually let me put on the skates, put on a helmet and try a little ice skating out myself. How'd you do? I fell. (laughs) (laughs) I fell. It was not as easy as it seems. I don't know how they can do that, but uh, yeah, I'm not built for that. I I found that out that day. If if I can uh, chime in here, yeah, I, I fell my first time too. I just I could walk <laughs> on the ice just fine in my shoes, but give me a pair of skates, and my ankles start to go. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, I don't know how those kids do it, and I love ice hockey around here. I wish we had a team again, but we don't have a rink. I mean, we do have rinks, but not a professional rink for a team to move in. So that's on the. That's on the shelf for a while. I really wish you could come in and saw Hare Arena before it got closed down because that was a good place to watch pro hockey with the uh, Dayton Demons and Dayton Demolition, but it got closed down after 2016. So, and the tornadoes, of course. Right. Yeah. The, the I, I went to Columbus once. I did go up there to see a Blue Jackets game. That was the first game I had ever been to, and I, it was just it was a really great game. They played the the Lightning actually, who were coming off the Stanley Cup, and it was I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's something about hockey, and just it's I love all sports. Don't get me wrong, and I know you right. do too. But there's just something about hockey that's just. I don't know if magical is the right word, but that's the one I'm going to use just because it's great. And broadcasting hockey is a lot of fun, too. It's just there's not a lot of opportunities now. Absolutely. And I I picked the perfect game to go to. I believe they had like seven goals scored in that game. It was a really high scoring game. I got to see a hockey fight, which I I went there saying. I just want to see a lot of goals. I want to eat some uh, arena food and I want to see a hockey fight in three out of three. I got it all. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Now, let me ask you, what's been some of the most challenging stories you've created? Some of the most challenging stories are just the ones where, you know, things get emotional. You know, Mm -hmm. recently when Adrian Payne was killed, having to, you know, go on the air and, you know, we we did a lot of reactions from people who were close to him. And, you know, having to kind of tell that story wasn't easy. Hearing about something else that happened recently when Anthony Grants, the head coach at Dayton, when his daughter passed away, you know, I got to talk to Anthony Grant and interview him throughout the season, throughout the past two seasons. Obviously, I don't, I'm not super close with him personally, but as a professional relationship, we do get to talk to him a lot. And, you know, that's tough on anybody. So when tragedy strikes and when emotion comes into it, those are definitely the most difficult stories to tell because obviously there are certain things you do from a news point of view, but you don't want to forget that these are people and these are people that are grieving. And like, you don't want to get so lost in telling the story that you forget, like this is a real person on the other side of this story who's really going through something and that should be the number one priority here yeah those losses those were absolute shame and it was it was tough to see them i know coach grant i mean that's tough because that's his daughter that he lost and just yeah the human element it's just it's 
it's one thing I think people forget about just because, you know, they're athletes they get paid a lot of money while professionals do, but they get paid a lot of money. And then when they struggle, then everyone forgets they're human. It's like, oh, hey, you know, so, yeah, that that how easy is it for you to deal with the human element? It helps that in my off time, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually, from a lot of professional athletes mm-hmm. and listening to them speak. They, you know, they can bring attention to certain things that the average person doesn't think about. And I like doing that because it kind of helps you interact and write their stories differently, because you do have to keep in mind that these are people like they entertain. And like you said, they get paid a lot of money to do that. But at the end of the day, they go home just like we go home. They, you know, have to deal with their families, love their families, kids, you know, problems. They have problems and families and friends and lives just like anybody else. It just so happens that their day job is just a little cooler than our day job. And it's covered a lot more, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're they're in the public's eye a lot more than we are. But at the end of the day, they still go home. They still take their shoes off just like everybody else. And they're still people. And that's what I try to keep in mind when I do these interviews and when I do these stories. Take me through your uh, process of making a story happen on TV. What's the average time on creating a story, getting everything settled, ready to go, and then going on TV and then doing your thing? It's not as long as people think, honestly. You know, you start off with the research. And the, well, let me start off by saying the whole process, probably about four to six hours. You know, okay. you st- start off with the research so that you can help ask better questions when you get to the interview, you know, then you go to wherever it is, you get some good clips, you talk to a couple people there, get your interviews and, you know, you got to be flexible, obviously. And, you know, doing this podcast, you go in with a certain list of questions that you want to ask them based off the research that you did. But sometimes you'll hear something and it'll go in a completely different direction than maybe what you were planning to ask. Yeah, I think I've already asked like six questions that weren't on the list. <laughs> if I didn't have a list, I, I I feel like I just say, uh, uh, right. uh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, you gotta be prepared. I mean, that's right. that's the one thing. If you don't, if you walk into, for me, a broadcast, if you walk into a broadcast unprepared, people are gonna know and they're gonna pick you apart. And then for me, and I know for you too, if you feel like you know you're unprepared and you don't have a good broadcast that weighs on you. Absolutely. It definitely does. And that's why the most important thing in sports, and it sounds simple, but it's to know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If you do your research and you know what you're talking about, everything is easier from there. Like for instance, this morning I was at Miamisburg high school because I'm doing high school football previews right now. Mm -hmm. And I covered Miamisburg all throughout the season last year. I went to at least half of their games, you know, and I can talk about Jackson McGowan, the UC commit that was the phenomenal wide receiver for them. Tristan Davis, the three-star running back, you know, and I do my research beforehand. I say, okay, well, their quarterback, Justin Berry last year, he was a senior last year, so he's graduated. So now they've got these two young guys that are going to be battling for this position. And that just helps me tell their story or preview their story or preview their season, so to speak, a lot better than if I just went in there completely blind and just tried to finesse my way through it. 
You know, I, I just remembered that the station for uh, 22 and 45 is in Miamisburg now. Back in the oh, day, yeah. 45 and 22 were on, um, oh, what is that, Gettysburg? Yeah, they're on Gettysburg. And I think it's abandoned now or it's torn down one of the two. But I keep forgetting it's in Miamisburg. It's in the old uh, WB building, actually. Oh, yeah. It was a real easy drive over to Miamisburg High School. That's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite schools to visit. That's about three minutes down the road. <laughs> I love it. And heck, Miamisburg was the only one to beat Springfield, who ended up playing for the D1 title in the regular season. That was a really good game. And I think I remember oh, yeah. seeing your highlights on that. It's like, wow, Springfield's like legit good. Oh, yeah. Springfield was untouchable. And, I, you know, on a lot of Friday nights, I'll go to two games, me, myself. You know, I've got certain photogs at different games because we try to reach as many as possible. And mm-hmm. I'll go to two. And I don't remember what my first game was that day, but Springfield Miamisburg was my second game. And I got there at, at halftime and I was thinking, you know, Springfield had been running through everybody else all season. So I was like, man, I hope this game is close. You know, I don't want to get there and they're trying to run out the clock. And I get there and I think it was like 13, 14. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And then one of the first drives is a Justin Berry to Jackson McGowan, like 75 yard touchdown. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Miamisburg is here to play. Yeah, and you know, I I really like the Vikings and you know, but that was that was probably the coolest result I saw was Miamisburg beating Springfield's like whoa. I mean, exactly. I mean, the other teams couldn't hang with the Wildcats and here's the Vikings like <laughs> here's your loss. Have fun going right. back to Clark County. <laughs> Where? Yeah, and you know, it's crazy because, you know, that G-Walk is so stacked. And you think mm-hmm. of teams, you're like, well, maybe Centerville can do it. Maybe Wayne can do it. Fairmont with that triple option offense, they're always going to be hard to beat. But a lot of people didn't have Miamisburg being the ones to take them down. And the Vikings stepped up to that challenge. I will say, it seems like no matter how good Miamisburg is, they can never get by Fairmont. Just it's, it, The Firebirds has always been that thorn in the side of the Vikings. And I just... That's what makes the G-Walk so special. You got eight really good teams, and CJ's coach is now at Beaver Creek, so hopefully the Beavers get back and compete. That'd be really nice to see. Definitely. I went over there two weeks ago, actually, and I got to talk to Coach Colvin and the team, and it's a building process. Like you said, you know, it's hard being in the G-Walk where, you know, you look in the second half of the standings last year, obviously the top guys are going to be the top guys. But even if you look at the second half of the standings, there aren't bums in the second half. Like you're looking at, a, you know, a Northmont team who we saw what Northmont had just done the season before that. You're looking at a Miamisburg who we've just been talking about them. They were three and four. Fairmont mm-hmm. was three and four. Springboro four and three, like. They've got some really good teams in that conference. So it's a battle week in and week out. Where's the furthest you've went to a high school football game in the area? The furthest I've gone. Let's see. Springfield's a 45 minute drive. So going to Springfield isn't a a hop and a skip, but I would probably say Arcanum. Oh, yeah, I like Uh, I I like Arcanum's field. Yeah, Arcanum, because they actually have a they had a good quarterback the last couple of years there named Bryce Schondemeyer, who's actually probably going to be the starter at Springfield this year. So, yeah, Arcanum's probably the furthest that I've gone. Isn't that crazy, though? You know, a small town kid that's starting for the Trojans. He's now at Big City Springfield. He's going to start for the Wildcats. 
Yeah, and I mean, he is going to turn a lot of heads because there may be a lot of people who have never heard of Bryce Schaumelmeyer, but this guy who was, I mean, as a sophomore, he was visiting D1 programs. You know, his dad was the coach over at Arcanum. They ran an air raid offense. Bryce had plenty of opportunities to really spread out the field and show off his arm, and he took full advantage of that. I think he had, like, almost 40 touchdowns. Four interceptions last year. I mean, the numbers were phenomenal. And now you're going into a situation at Springfield where you've got just a track team of receivers, so much talent. You've got Anthony Brown, who's a four-star receiver, the number one receiver in the entire state of Ohio. You know, you lose a guy like Tayshaun Smoot if you're Springfield, and the assumption is you take a step backwards. But then you bring in a guy like that, and I mean, who knows? They could go even further. They could wind up right back in Canton this season. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is, you know, just really depends how the team gels. But yeah, Springfield might repeat to going to Division One in the title game. But that's really cool. You mentioned Arcanum, too, because Western Ohio Athletic Conference, I mean, tons of small schools, but they got some pretty good football programs there as well. Absolutely. And, you know, the small school, I will always say the best game that I've gone to and I've gone to plenty of – I went to the uh, the state championship game in Canton, you know, for Springfield. But the best game, the most – my favorite football game that I've been to since coming here was between two small schools. It was Ascension Catholic and it was Bradford. At the time, Bradford was on a 38-game losing streak, and I believe Central Cat- Ascension Catholic had lost 33 games in a row. Ooh. Man, and I- those two schools – gave their hearts in that game. Bradford came back from a double-digit deficit, and they wound up winning. I'm just remembering when Bradford was the team to beat in the, well, the cross-county conference, which is now gone, uh, when they had uh, Curtis Enos coaching and Son just wrecking ball of a running back for the Railroaders. And yeah, to see Bradford tumble back, it was it's a little bit sad, but I remember when Bradford was really, really good. Right. And that, that's high school football for you. One player, you know, well, a couple players, one coach can just make such a difference. And then when they leave, the whole landscape can change. Are there any high school games that you or high school sites that you've never been to that you want to uh, head out in 2022? Let's see. High school sites that I haven't been. To, oh, man, not that I can think. I think I've been to a lot of great ones. I just I want to go to some in other places. You know, I want to maybe go to a big game in Cincinnati, a big game in Columbus, because I feel like over the last two years, I've been to a lot of the big stadiums in the Dayton area. Mm-hmm. Getting to go to Hall of Fame Stadium was like a dream of mine come true to cover the state championship game. That would have been my answer before I got to go there for the Springfield game last year. But I just I was always very impressed with just the football landscape when it comes to stadiums here. Yeah, Dayton and Cincinnati, there's a lot of great football stadiums. If you get a chance to go deep into Cincinnati, uh, check out the pit, which is where Elder plays. It's it's oh, yep. nationally ranked up there. Uh, wow. I broadcast games at Princeton. That's a nice facility, D1, and it's packed all the time. There's a lot of great football in the Greater Miami Conference, which the closest school to the station would be Middletown and Past few years have been a little rough for the middies, but that's still a pretty good program with some talent. Right. I believe I got to go to that one, actually. So, yeah, that's I'm just I'm looking forward to being able to go to even more. Now, you mentioned uh, earlier on this episode that 
you cover it all. Are there any sports or events you want to get to in the future or maybe more sports you want to cover? Absolutely. You know, when you talk about events, I want to make it to the big ones. I want to be, you know, the Bengals went to a Super Bowl, but unfortunately I was not able to go to Los Angeles. So I want to be able to be on the field for a Super Bowl. I want to cover the NBA Finals, the World Series, you know, a national championship. LSU went to the national championship and I did get to cover that team, but I was technically still producing. So I was producing outside of the uh, Superdome when LSU won the Natty. I want to be on the field, you know, even a, a World Cup would be phenomenal. You know, just events like that are ones that just I dream of going to and I dream of covering. Mm-hmm. And then as for sports, you know, a sport that, you know, you may you may be shocked to hear, uh, you know, I, I watch, but it's UFC. It's okay. one of a, the newer kind of mainstream sports coming in, mis- mixed martial arts, but I've become a huge UFC fan over the last few years and going to a fight would be phenomenal. What what is it about UFC that you like about? I just love the action. You know, it's like boxing. Just you can do more. You know, you can kick. They've got elbows. They've got grappling. It's just I love the fact that when you watch a fight, that fight can end at any moment. I've seen a guy get knocked out in four seconds, four, literally four seconds into the fight, and I've seen a guy get knocked out four seconds before the end of the fight. Just the unpredictability in UFC to where anything can happen at any moment. Like, I think my first UFC event was like in 2014, 2015. I was with my friends from high school who were on the wrestling team, and they just wanted to watch UFC. I was just at the restaurant to eat. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, Hey, this is this is kind of cool. I mean, uh, I, the only thing I think that's negative about having a fight that lasts four seconds is if someone bought it on pay per view. It's like, oh, it's already over. There's your hundred bucks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That, and that's the thing. But like, it's almost like you don't mind because, you know, you get the full card. So it's like they have all the preliminary fights. Then the main card will typically be five fights long. And then you get to the main events. And I remember that it was a uh, Conor McGregor fought Jose Aldo, you know, and that whole card was phenomenal. And it leads up to the main events. And we we're all just on the edge of our seats because at the time, Conor McGregor was the big upcoming rising star. And he ended that fight in like, 13 seconds i believe and we completely felt like we got our money's worth because we are jumping around it's one of the most insane things that we've ever seen it's probably also one of the most physical sporting events out there just because there's no protection or anything and you're just going in there by yourselves absolutely i mean you know this in boxing there's rules like i said and obviously there's rules in the ufc as well but you know in boxing, hey, this guy's going to punch me. I don't know how he's going to punch me. I don't know from where he's going to punch me, but he's going to punch me. In the UFC, I mean, a guy can choke you out and put you to sleep. He can hit you with an axe kick. You know, he can hit you with an elbow in the clinch. There's just so many ways that your opponent can beat you and so many things that you have to defend against. And it's, it's tough, you know? Andre, what are some of your favorite things about sports around here in Dayton? I would definitely say the people, you know, the athletes that I've been able to cover, you know, being able to be on the local scene, you get to form genuine relationships with people who you may not be able to 
form genuine relationships with on a national level. You know, I've gotten to know a lot of high school players, a lot of high school coaches, you know, even the college guys that I've been able to talk to and form relationships with. It's just been really cool. And seeing how seriously Dayton, Ohio takes their sports. Now, let me ask this. What would you like to see in sports or in the media here in Dayton in the future? Oh, that's a good one. What would I like to see? I think this is a great sports town that deserves a winner, you know, and I, I want to see people win, you know, for instance, the Dayton Flyers. They had a really young team last year, and I believe that they surprised some people. And unfortunately, that injury in the Atlantic 10 tournament kind of stopped them from reaching the heights that I believe they were capable of reaching. But I want to see the Dayton Flyers, you know, like we were talking earlier, you know, that 2020 season that got canceled. I want to see the Flyers be able, or the 2019 technically, it got canceled in 2020. But I want to see the Flyers be able to make a run like that through March Madness. I want to see them be able to put themselves in a position to win a national championship because with the talent on that team, this year or next year, if that team stays together, they're going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to see some of these lo- local high school teams, and they do have high school teams around here that are winning national championships. You know, we just saw Centerville win one and they almost won another one this year in basketball and you've seen a lot of schools here win championships but i just want to see them continue to win here and you know i think the dragons have a great shot although they just went through a big uh, call-up phase yeah and that's the tough thing about the minors you, if a player gets too good he's probably gonna be out of there Yeah, I mean, we still have De La Cruz, we still have Torres, and we still have Joe Boyle, but um, we don't have Connor Phillips anymore. He got called up. Alan Serta got called up. And I knew I was going to blank on the third name. Was Uh, it Quinn Cotton? No, Quinn Cotton got called down back to Dayton. Oh, who is it? This Oh, Nick Quintana. Yep, yep. Because that dude had some great defensive plays, and his bat was starting to come around, too. Exactly. And you wonder how long Ellie's going to be here. I mean, he's leading the team in literally everything you can leave them in. When you talk about hits, doubles, triples, home runs, stolen bases. I mean, he has been everything that they advertised him to be before the season. So you wonder how long he'll be here. And the Dragons need him. You know, at mm-hmm. one point they had, I think it was through 51 games, they had their best record in franchise history through 51 games. And then they go on to be 3-12 and 12 over the next couple weeks, lose out on that first half opportunity to clinch a playoff spot. And they've kind of been up and down since then. I mean, they haven't put back-to-back wins together, I believe, since June 7th. Yeah, that Great Lakes series, I talked about it on my podcast, and it's just... Mm, that was the beginning of the downfall. When you have an eight and a half game lead with 15 to play, it's like, okay, we got it in the bag. Nope. Right. Nope. Didn't happen. Nope. I mean, that Cedar Rapids series was always going to be tough because they clinched the West. It's just, did you catch last night's Dragons game by any chance? Man, I saw the final score. And <laughs> you know, like I, like I said, six runs. You score six, that'll win you a lot of ball games, but not when you allow the other team to score 18. Yeah, especially nine of those in the bottom of the eighth with how yes. many walks did Tom say? Nine in the inning and six with the bases loaded? It's just, oh, oh, 
Exactly. That, that's not winning baseball. I, I don't have words to just say how disgusted it was. And that's like, oh, guys. But, but hey, I mean, there's the second half and that's just one game out of six. Now it's six straight losses to loons. Did you see Great Lakes, their social media after uh, they officially clinched the first half? Oh, I didn't see him. What did they do? Oh, they went after the Dragons hard. They took a picture of Heater <laughs> pointing out the camera. Point if you blew an eight and a half game lead with 15 to play. Oh, they 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 brought the fire. And which it's not total it's not totally unwarranted, mind you, but um Yeah, you lose an eight and a half game in two weeks, you gotta eat that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if I was on the other side of the things, I'd be like, Yeah, you know, talk your talk, Great Lakes. So Man, that was that was rough. Hopefully the Dragons will right the ship again soon. Right. Let me ask this. For those interested in covering sports, whether it be a sports reporter job, sports writing, sports broadcasting, what advice can you share? I have two big pieces of advice. And the first one may sound generic, but hear me out. You got to be willing to work hard. And when I say work hard, I mean... Don't assume that just because you're working a full-time job, you're going to get, you know, 40 hours a week. It doesn't always work like that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, to get here, I had to work, you know, Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday, (laughs) you know, and I had to give up a lot of my personal life to be able to put time in, in football season here in Dayton. Now that I have the job, I'm the only sports guy at my station. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Wednesday, I'm previewing football matchups during the football season. Thursday, we're broadcasting a game. Friday, I'm producing, writing, shooting, and editing high school football shows so that we can have our football Friday segment on Friday night. Saturday, I'm going to be at either Dayton football or Ohio State football while still trying to keep track of UC and whichever team I didn't go to. Mm-hmm. Then Sunday, I'm going to Cincinnati to cover the Bengals and come back and anchor, edit, write, all of that for a 30-minute show on a Sunday night. There were a lot of weeks where I would work 50 to 60 hours, you know? But that's what it takes to continue to be great at this because at the end of the day, there's a lot of young men around the country that want to get paid to talk about sports. And if you're not going to put the work in to be able to do that at a high level, there's somebody else who would be willing to put in that work. So that would be... My first piece of advice, my second piece of advice is to have fun and be yourself. Like at the end of the day, sports is fun. Mm-hmm. Sports is it, it, like, it's almost not a real job. Like we are getting paid to cover sports events. They are paying me to like, I went to the Bengals Raiders playoff game in Paul Brown stadium. There are people who like, I would have paid to go see that game. And I got paid to go there and be on the field while it was happening. Like, that's incredibly fun. And when you get on air, keep that in mind. Don't try to be that serious, generic anchor that sometimes you see on TV. Go on TV, be yourself, and have fun. Because the people who do this at a high level are the people who embrace who they are and bring that to the screen. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. You got to have personality. There's only one you, but there's several sports reporters and anchors out there. But there's only one you. I love that piece of advice. And also the working hard, even though you're, you know, you might be at the top of the mountain. There's always someone that can knock you down. And so I, I really love those pieces of advice, Andre. 
Absolutely. And, and watch other people in your craft. You know, I remember being at Cincinnati covering the Bengals and I saw a Bengals reporter do something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he recorded a stand. We call it a stand up. He recorded a stand up off the dome, no notes for like a minute and a half. And at the time, I remember watching him thinking, I don't know if I could have done that. And like, I, I felt like he was better than me in that moment. So what I did, I came home and for the next couple of weeks, I focused solely on ad living so that I could have the ability to go off the dome at any point in time without needing a script. I stopped writing scripts for half the things I do on TV. I started waking up early and going, we have a Friday morning show. I never write a script for that Friday morning show. I just go in and I go off the dome. And there's things like that that you can watch other people and see how they do. And you're like, okay, well, I want to do it this way. I want to be able to be at that level as well. And that kind of motivates you. And I understand that too, because, you know, I, I've, I've called 1500 games in my broadcasting career and there's always stuff I need to work on. There's always stuff I want to improve on. So I love that piece of advice. So thank you for sharing those, Andre. Oh, no problem. Let me ask you this. How can people follow you and your work on social media? Let's see. That would be Twitter. My username is Andre 247 now, Andre 247 now, you know, and I'm trying to get my Twitter following up. You know, I, It was always my personal page where I just followed a bunch of my close friends. And around this time last year, I was like, okay, I really got to get serious about building my following. Mm-hmm. And once I kind of got that blue check, that verified check, that's when the following started to kind of build a little more and, you know, just trying to continue to build my presence on social media. Cause sometimes I'll like watch sporting events and I won't feel like tweeting them, but like sometimes I have to almost force myself to tweet, you know, just so that my live people won't look at my account and be like, Oh, he hasn't tweeted in three weeks. Yeah. I mean, you're busy. I mean, I know that's <laughs> everything you got. Now you got social media you got to juggle with, you know, your normal job and some jobs make it a part of the job as well. So I, I get that completely. Hey, exactly. So Andre 24 seven now on Twitter, Andre junior two, one, two, five on Instagram. Okay. And how can people watch you in the Dayton area? Oh, I am on pretty much every 10 and 11 show on Dayton 24 seven now news. That's going to be on Fox at 10, probably around the 1045 to 1055 mark. And on ABC, I'm going to be on at 11, probably around that 1122, 1125 mark. You know, they like to keep me as the grand finale in the shows. So I'm always going to be towards the end. But, you know, I'm going to be on there five days a week. Typically, I try to work the weekends wherever I can fit in during the week, depending on what's going on. Hey, they save the best for last. They're smart on that, you know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I told them. I was like, oh, you know what? Don't put me at the top. Wait to let let you guys get all of your new stuff out of the way. And when you're ready for the sports guy to come in and have some fun, then I'll come in at the end. Andre, would you like to wrap up this episode with uh, whatever you'd like to say to the fans and the sports fans out there? Yeah. First of all, I just want to say, First of all, let me thank God because I wouldn't be here without God. He's given me so many phenomenal opportunities and put me in this position. And I'd like to thank the people of the Miami Valley for really embracing me. You know, you hear when you go on to your on-air jobs, how mean people can be. Mm -hmm. And like you see it, like 
I've seen people get like really mean, like emails or really mean, like people will say something to them like in person when they're out in public. And I have never experienced that. Like everywhere I go, people have been so nice to me in this day and area. Like I'll go to a lot of sporting events and people will kind of pull me aside and be like, oh, you know, we love what you do. We love how creative you are. You're funny, you're this, you're that. And like, I really do appreciate that. You know, I, I got a handwritten letter at the station uh, from somebody at one point, and it's still at my desk, just kind of hanging up there because I appreciate that stuff. You know, in station, you're, you don't get a lot of validation or compliments or anything from like your bosses and stuff because they have so many things going on. So they, you don't always get a lot of good jobs. So to hear from the people at these sporting events or in the community and to hear that they feel like you're doing a good job, it puts a smile on my face. So I'd like to say thank you to the Miami Valley. Andre, thank you for your time today. And as always, thank you for following me on Twitter. And I look forward to seeing what you do as we ramp up high school sports again in August. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I This was a blast. He's Andre Johnson of Dayton's 24-7 Now, and I'm Lee W. Mowen, and that will close out episode 242 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark SindayPod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SindayPod and the host at the Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.